You're listening to Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time. So, Chennai, it's late there, yeah? It is midnight. Oh, bless you. Whoa. Wow. <laughs> but it's okay. Are you a morning person or an evening person? Night. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Super yes. night. Oh. Yeah, yeah, Creek considers this early in the morning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if it's morning, it's early. <laughs> so, Snow has an AM. Chennai, we have one of these coming up, and we had to schedule it. What was it? Is it 10 AM, our time, mm-hmm. Creek? And Creek, he's so grumpy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I actually woke up at 8.30, but then... But then, like, it takes me about, like, a good two and a half hours before I'm actually awake. Right, right. Yes, I and totally I get to, you. <laughs> yeah, I have to go outside. I have to drink my coffee. I have right. to read some. I have to eat some. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, a whole, it's a whole routine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Indeed. <laughs> Square mug. I love it. <laughs> 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 I see you're gonna end up with like you know like my when my kids were toddlers they would just have this permanent kind of <laughs> wet spot here that's what you're gonna have by the end of this yeah um, it's like I might as well just put it in my hat and drink from there <laughs> okay well hello again friends welcome to another fathom 15. A short 15 minute or so episode where we, at least for this round of Fathom 15, where we talk with a listener and uh, who poses a question to us and then we respond to it and have a conversation uh, for a few minutes. And uh, we are so lucky today to have with us a listener from Malaysia, Chennai. So hi, Chennai. How are you? Hi, doing great. It's currently midnight. I'm Chennai. I went to Taylor University for school and now I'm back here in Malaysia and still learning about the Enneagram, still very passionate about the Enneagram and loving getting to talk the Enneagram and introduce the Enneagram to my friends here in Malaysia. Hmm. Uh, That's great. First of all, thank you for staying up late to be with us. And, and so just so our listeners know, so you, you came uh, to the United States for college, mm-hmm. but now you're back in Malaysia. And what do you, you know, you, you say you're passionate about the Enneagram, uh, you do some work with it, but tell us a little bit about what type of work you do day in and day out. Yeah. So to get money, um, basically. Money's I, good. I, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, currently working as the people and leadership development person at a Malaysian fintech. So it's a startup, um, 90 people. And yeah, I get to talk to them about themselves and sort of do career and professional development with them. And then if let's say they're having any troubles at work, uh, they can come to me. I'm sort of the in-house therapist. Well, that's yes. amazing. Nice. Very fun. That's great. That actually sounds fun. Yeah. That does sound fun. <laughs> so if we have some conflict between the three of us fathoms, guys, can we come to you? Yes, please do. <laughs> well, be careful what you wish for. Because <laughs> <laughs> there could be a lot of work before you. <laughs> a more important question is, when you were in the U.S., what food did you miss the most from Malaysia? Oh, oh, yeah. oh. 
I would tell um, Drew and his family this durian, um, literally the fruit durian. Uh, have <laughs> so, you guys heard of this thing? What is I it have called? heard of it. Durian. No, but now I, let her I, describe I've never tasted it. it. And, and trust me, she's trying to sell you on this this food. So proceed, Chennai. Go ahead. (laughs) So I'm an Enneagram type three, right? I should be able to promote stuff way better than this. But this is is how I see durian and how much I love durian. So it's a fruit. It's huge. It's deadly because it's covered in thorns. And then uh, people who who didn't grow up with it tend to hate it because of its smell. It's very pungent. (laughs) Rancid. Yeah. Correct. And it can cause uh, cause diabetes. It's happened in multiple Western countries where people who brought (laughs) durian in, uh, they would think that it's like a bomb, not a bomb, a chemical attack. And so they would literally (laughs) like, yes, it would literally shoot everyone out from the building and then find out that someone brought durian for lunch. So let's okay. go find some durian, obviously, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> I love wow. spaces right now. <laughs> I would so, try yeah. it. I will try anything. Let's so, speak. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want diabetes, but I think I'd try it. Shanai, next time that you're in the States, we'll try it all together. Yes. Do you wow. eat and it raw or do you cook it? No cooking. It's raw. No cooking. It's a fruit. It's, it's a fruit. Do you unpeel it though from the spikiness? The yes. So you can't really peel it. You have to use a chopper and like open it. And there's a technique. Because and if then not, you put it in a square mug. <laughs> you put it in. Yes. So Abram's drinking out of a square mug and we're making fun of him. It looks very awkward every time he takes a sip. I actually made a mess. Oh, oh no. We're not surprised. Yes. So spoiler alert, you know, uh, Chennai, when she was here in the States, knew my family quite well. And Mm. so to hear her, she tried to sell durian to my kids (laughs) and and they all collectively said, why would I ever want to go near something (laughs) like that? (laughs) So when you come back, we'll have, we'll have to find a way to try it. Yeah. Uh, switching streams here. Uh, so <laughs> what's the what's the question? What is your question that you'd like to present? Yes. So I guess like for me, the Enneagram has been a great tool for self-awareness. But in, in trying to learn more about myself and more about my type, one question that's come up is how do I draw the line between letting my type and the tendencies of my type be a self-fulfilling prophecy and actually proactively move, like moving away from my type's tendency in a healthy and sustainable manner. I love this question. I can't stop thinking about the fruit. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, th- this is a great question. I think it's a really, really important one. It's, it's kind of naming, well, what the point of the Enneagram is actually for, uh, yeah. you know. So um, I-, I think, um, you know, learning your type can really definitely... Ex- like assist you on the level of what I think I would call like ego relating. Like mm-hmm. now that I know I'm a nine, you're mm-hmm. a three, well, here's what I can and can't do. Here's what we can can and can't do together, you know? But obviously that's just kind of surface level awareness of, of the tool. And it can lead to exactly what you're talking about, this self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm, well, I'm just gonna, this is me, so deal with it. I think we're living our patterns, whether we have something like the Enneagram to name them and help them see us or not, you know? And so um, just because, you know, we can name 
our patterns now doesn't mean that we're becoming more than them, right? You actually mm-hmm. have to have, you have to do something with that knowledge. So I think on a deeper level, kind of, I mean, the level of the Enne- that the Enneagram is really intended for, which is transformation and becoming who you truly are, mm-hmm. I think knowing your type is really only as helpful to the degree that you consciously apply that knowledge of your type to your daily life. To I like the language of decentralizing your automatic pilot response because it's the, it's the one right here in your face. You know, you can't see anything else but this regular way that you're filtering the world through. So I think knowing your type becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy when it's not partnered alongside with some practice of cultivating present awareness. It, you may like gain the, the knowledge of the, of the patterns. It doesn't mean you, you're doing anything more than them, right? So you have to actually, this is why I think a practice like meditation is so vital because it helps you put some space around these patterns and helps you like pull it out. It's, it's that space that I don't know if you've heard of the guy named Viktor Frankl. He was a Holocaust survivor. He was a psychiatrist. And he talked about the space between stimulus and response. You can increase that space, you know, your, your conscious choice. And the, the idea is that the more, and this is a long response now, but <laughs> the, more that, uh, the more that you cultivate your capacity to like, be in the present moment, the more you can choose different options than the regular pattern response, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but I, and I would also actually say, too, that if we're not regularly actually even seeing our type patterns come up as they previously did, I would wonder if we're not growing because they're, they're always present. They're always coming up. That's good. Yeah. I love this question because I think it, it does get at, like you said, Abram, the essence of the Enneagram. And I think once and Creek and Abram, you've probably heard me say this ad nauseum, but my entire approach to the Enneagram is based off of this idea that type is the trailhead. Trailhead. Yeah. Yes, you've heard this once or twice from me, right? And I I think it's so important. I I think when when we don't know our dominant Enneagram type, we don't know that we're stuck at the trailhead. When we become aware of our Enneagram type, then we can realize we're at the trailhead and start hiking. And as soon as we start hiking, I think there are really two paths uh, awaiting us that we can choose. One is to just say, okay, I know these things about my type. I know these kind of traits, so to speak. And I can just walk as if I just live at this level of this is what my type is. And therefore, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. This is why we kind of use our type often as a crutch or uh, as a stereotyped version of ourselves and others. That's not the path I would recommend, obviously. The other path would be for growth and development. That, hey, now that I know these things about my type, I can then start to work with them in a way that is helpful and healthy and vibrant because we don't just leave them at the trailhead. Like, uh, I don't think that 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 ever works. They are a part of us, a really important part of us. So how do we integrate them well into a fuller sense of who we are in a way that's healthy? And I think uh, choosing those two paths is really the most important first step once you discover your type. Like, which path are you going to choose? And there are plenty of people who choose that first path where, hey, it's just fun to know five things about me that I can share with others at a party. Mm. And then we can kind of have some banter and jokes about our types to, you know, to one another. Mm-hmm. That's the self-fulfilling prophecy. I think that you're cautious mm-hmm. about as opposed to no, this is the start of a journey uh, that is really important and complex and mi- in many ways unknown, but is really important. So uh, along those lines, I have a couple of thoughts. First of which is 
so this is like work from Mario Sikora where he talks about using your type strategy in an adaptive way or maladaptive way. Yeah. So using using the things that you're good at in order to mm -hmm. further your good things in your life. And I think that works on some level to for three, wanting to be successful or appear successful instead of just like taking all the glory, all about me, me, me. It's like, well, what if you can be more successful by bringing everyone else along? So like kind of yeah. flipping on its head and being like, here, do this. So I think that's, that's a very practical way of viewing it. I think the one thing that could be a slight danger on some level would be a concept that our friend Jason Miller talks about all the time is low health, high character, where basically you become a really great version of your ego pattern. And yet you're huh. still just, it, it becomes a part, being healthy, it becomes part of your image versus an actual coming from a deeper well of, yeah. of being unattached, non-attached from your ego patterns. And I think coming back to what Abram was saying is that process is going to take a long time. Doing the right things, you can do a lot of right things with just insanely bad reasons. <laughs> but creating that space, practices, meditations to actually begin mm -hmm. to realize that I am not my patterns. I'm not my labels. I am not this. I'm not this. I'm not this. I am, I am awareness. Um, mm -hmm. I am the thing that is watching everything else. Not to get too esoteric there, but yeah. So, so I guess stepping into more of your true identity and less um, identifying with your egoic patterns. Yeah. yeah. To continue on the esoteric. <laughs> no, no, um, <laughs> no, I think this is a helpful quote because I'm the uh, Abram quote generator. Yes, I you just are. think it would be good to have at least one of those in every episode. Uh, <laughs> it's it's from a guy's from a guy whose name I don't know if I can pronounce, but I will try. It's Nisargadatta Maharaj. He says, uh, "You cannot give up anything unless you know what it is, and that mm -hmm. to discover who you are, you must first discover who you are not." Mm -hmm. ah. And so. And so, you know, naming these patterns, that's the benefit of the Enneagram, right? But it's just the continual over and over and over and over non-judgmental observation of them that helps us become, helps us recognize that we are not them, you know, mm -hmm. and then become the rest yeah. of who we are. What do you think, Chennai? Does that resonate with you? Yes, a lot. How are you, how are you working through this and the Enneagram work that you're doing to uh, avoid, you know, this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy and, and actually get to a place of growth and development? Definitely community um, has been yeah. such a huge part of it. So I would say like there will be times when, when friends would come and sort of share feedback, right? Oh, Tina, I think like you're becoming like a, like your threeness is showing, right? Yeah. And, and I mm. think when that sort of feedback comes, it becomes very easy to, to become defensive, especially at a place of unhealth. And I want to sort of defend myself or justify. And I, I think that was what led to that question. It's, it's mm. because I, I think sometimes when, when my friend shares that feedback, then the image crafting comes up where it's like, okay, I'm not going to be that 
whatever mm-hmm. the, the feedback was. Right, right. right. So I'm not going to. So it, I think it really related to what Creep you mentioned about the the character and the health part about about trying to be healthy or pretending to be healthy. So so these are all like, yeah. Thank you for sharing your feedback because not feedback but like the the response. I am going to re-listen to this episode because I'm going to be writing notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's really, I mean, it is just even you can feel that your type structure revving up when you're getting that feedback. And it's, yeah, that is not bad. That's mm-hmm. the thing to remember is like your type structure revving up is not bad. It's you being unconscious of it revving up and then right. you're acting from <laughs> it. To, to just be able to see it, that is success. And the more you see it, the more right. you will start to see, huh, this isn't getting me what I want. And then eventually it'll be like, you know what? I don't want to engage this story. We have, a, we have an episode coming out soon with Michael Naylor where he talks about catching, catching the first scene of the movie that you've played 900 million times in your head. It's like, oh, I remember this scene. I could watch it all the way through, but I've seen this. And it just, it just it makes me feel like crap. So I'm not going to, I'm going to just turn off the movie. And, and, and choose a different movie, choose a different path. Um, and yeah. so you recognizing the pattern is success. N- the, the revving up is not, not the problem. Right. And I would add to something that's really, really helpful. Why I named, just use the words non-judgmentally observing, is that the, the economy or whatever the, of the ego is, you know, to judge it is actually to reinforce it. The paradox is that you have to accept yourself as you are. And then you can change. Mm-hmm. It's it's not it's not seeing it and saying, "Ah, oh, I did it again. Ah, oh, stop it." You know, it's like, "I did it again." That's my normal way of. Yeah. I see it, mm-hmm. and now I can do something different. Almost yeah. being amused by it. Yeah, Ooh, <laughs> you are again. Interesting word. Yeah, <laughs> little kiddo. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. but it it is that kind of delicate rhythm of challenge and support, right? Mm-hmm. That because uh, I think yeah, when we had Mario on. You know, he he mentioned who was it? I can't remember. But he said, you know, you're fine just as you are, and you could use a little help. <laughs> <Was that? laughs> and you know, I think that that's getting at the crux of this question, right? That uh, we do need to be kind to ourselves when those defenses rev up, when that type structure tends to kind of build itself in front of us, right? But then also lovingly challenge ourselves. Okay, yeah. I see you, <laughs> right? Now here's what we're going to do. And I, and I think that's really important so that it doesn't become this self-fulfilling prophecy because that's, uh, yeah. man, that is not a good use of the Enneagram when it just reinforces maybe some unhealthy parts of who we are. Yeah. yeah. Like we can keep talking about this oh, for a while, man. right? Yeah, maybe we'll have to do this again, Chennai, yes. and talk about this some more. Uh, but Chennai, you're doing some really cool Enneagram work. We're over in Malaysia and online. Where could people find you so they could keep up with you? At In This Together. So E-N-N-E, This Together on Instagram. Okay. okay. Yes. <laughs> yes, because we want to do this together. Can't do it alone. Yeah. Very cool. Cheers. Okay. Cheers, and we'll cheers, put cheers. that in the show notes. Chennai, thank you for your question and thanks for staying up late to hang out with us. Thank you, guys. This has been super, super fun. Awesome. Very cool. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fathoms, an Enneagram podcast. If you found this episode helpful in any way, 
consider sharing it with a friend or family member. We are so honored to be on this journey with you, discovering our inner depths, one fathom at a time.